Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by my sponsors, Goliath Technologies, Liquidware, and Policy Pack Software. If you enjoy the show each week, you have them to thank. And now for some news. This week, Apple released security updates to fix two actively exploited iOS zero-day vulnerabilities in the WebKit engine used by hackers to attack iPhones, iPads, iPods, macOS, and Apple Watch devices. Just to emphasize, these vulnerabilities have been exploited in the wild. The timing may be a little damaging in my opinion, as there was a recent security update last week. Some may think that update was the one they need for protection against this vulnerability, but no. If you are a macOS or iOS user, you will want to patch as soon as possible. And by the way, this is one of the rare occasions in which Apple have stepped up and released a patch for some of their older versions of macOS and iOS too. These vulnerabilities are tracked as CVE-2021-3665 and CVE-2021-3663, and both allow arbitrary remote code execution on vulnerable devices simply by visiting a malicious website. So don't sleep on this one, get it patched as soon as possible. Speaking of patches being released for older systems, Dell has released security patches for 380 Dell computers going all the way back to 2009. The Verge reports that the security patches address vulnerabilities in a driver used by Dell and Alienware's firmware update utilities, and it allows an attacker to gain full kernel level permissions in Windows. So it's a biggie. The good news is that someone would have to access your computer in some way to take advantage of the bug, which they could get through malware, phishing, or being granted remote access privileges by you. It's best to perform the firmware upgrade anyway just to be safe. BleepyComputer.com reported this week that there is a Windows Defender bug which creates thousands of small files that waste gigs of storage on Windows 10 hard drives. The bug started with Windows Defender Antivirus Engine version 1.1.1800.5 and it writes the files to C program data slash Microsoft slash Windows Defender slash scans slash history slash store. The bug has now been fixed in the latest Windows Defender Engine version 1.1.1800.6. It's worth checking that you've got the latest version and that that directory is clear on your systems. A denial of service attack was carried out this week against an internet service provider funded by the Belgian government. The attack has affected more than 200 Belgian government agencies. Worryingly, one of the affected services is the country's COVID-19 vaccine portal. Neither the ISP nor any other Belgian government organization has attributed the denial of service attack to any particular entity, but some report that this is a sophisticated operation, so it'll be interesting to see who it does get attributed to. Further reports also suggest that more than a quarter million IP addresses were used in the attack from 29 different countries. 
It appears the attack lasted days, but as of Thursday, the network was now back in operation. Farewell Calibri, long live Calibri. The font, which has been the default font in Office since 2007, is about to be displaced. It's reported by CNBC that Microsoft is considering five different fonts as the upcoming replacement. CNBC have a really interesting discussion with the creator of the Calibri font, Lucas de Groot, who is surprised the font is being changed so relatively soon into its life as the default font. I don't know about you guys, but I typically change from the default font just because people get so used to that. It doesn't really stand out. Sigui UI is my favorite. Leapitcomputer.com this week reported that Microsoft will release a patch in July that removes the Adobe Flash plugin from Windows 10 and prevents it from being installed again. You may have noticed this type of patch has already been pushed to Windows servers. It is logical as Adobe themselves flipped the kill switch for Flash Player back in January to prevent it from running. At this point, since Flash Player was for all intents and purposes killed off in January, at least functionally, hopefully this won't have a very widespread impact. You may recall on a previous episode of the podcast, I reported that the South African Revenue System web portal became inaccessible because it relied on Flash Player. I think their workaround was to make a old version of the Chrome browser available that allowed the Flash Player components to run, which is not a very good solution providing an insecure browser. So if you've been relying on workarounds like that, best nip that in the bud and get a permanent fix in place. Dell looks set to sell Boomi to TBG Capital for $4 billion. Boomi was acquired by Dell in 2010 and provides cloud integration as a service and has a set of 15,000 enterprise customers, so pretty significant. This is an interesting development as it follows on the heels of the recent news of the VMware spinoff that I covered on last week's episode of the podcast. It seems like there could be a major shakeup underway at Dell. I hope all employees are taken care of and unaffected by these changes. My buddy Shane Kleinert, who developed a service that takes your zip code and a distance you are willing to travel and automatically searches and alerts when a vaccination slot is available in your area, shared the great news that his awesome work was then collaborated on by the folks at A2K Partners and is now available as a Citrix micro app to help inform Citrix users when there is available vaccines in their area and lists out pharmacies that have it available. Pretty cool use of micro apps. It's probably the best use I've read about yet. So congrats to Shane and everyone at Choice Solutions and A2K Partners for that. There was a pretty sad but interesting fact pointed out by Ari Clark on Twitter this week, who tweeted that her friend recently passed away and looking at the friend's GitHub contribution graph hit her hard. And if you're listening to the audio-only version of the podcast on the YouTube edition and also in the reference links for this episode, which is episode 175 on 5bytespodcast.com, you'll see an image that she uploaded a screenshot in her tweet 
that shows her friend's contribution graph and it pretty much just stops in January. So it goes from very active, lit up all green to no activity. Others also shared GitHub repos from their friends who also passed away in the last year. I thought it was a very impactful and moving way of seeing the loss that has hit not only our industry and our community, but the entire world. It's just been a terrible year. It's actually more than a year now. It's just been a terrible 16 months. Here's hoping that it gets better soon and completely out of the realm of enterprise IT, but I wish the best to all my friends and listeners over in India that is getting pretty hard right now with the pandemic. Stay safe, everyone. So a couple of quick hit stories to wrap up the news for this week. Citrix have released a hotfix that you will require if you are trying to use Wake on LAN within Studio for remote PC. It is available at CTX312364. Sysinternals ProcMod for Linux has received an update this week with several fixes rolled into it, so if you're using that, get on to the latest version. I already talked about the latest Windows Insider build last week, but another feature that I did not mention last week is a new detailed view of the Microsoft Edge processes running on your system when looking at it in Task Manager. It'll be interesting to see if they do this or make this a public API for non-Microsoft apps and vendors and just open up this type of functionality and granularity for other vendors too. That would be pretty welcome. And again, if you're listening to the audio-only version of the podcast, if you check out the YouTube edition, you'll see a screenshot of what I'm talking about. It looks like it would be really useful. Congrats to my friends at the EUC Digest podcast who are listed on the Forbes list of favorite industry podcasts. Well-deserved. If you haven't checked out the EUC Digest yet, what are you waiting for? Get on over there. And cheap plug for myself, but speaking of podcasts, I will be a guest on the next episode of the Thrive IT podcast, so check that out. It's coming up on Thursday. Uh, You can subscribe to their YouTube channel and turn on notifications so you don't miss it. It should go live at 9 p.m. BST, which I believe is 1 p.m. Pacific and 4 p.m. Eastern in the United States. And finally, congrats to the awesome Esther Bartel, who is the winner of the 2020 Stephanie Roper Community Award for her impressive contributions to the community. I often think of Stephanie and her family, and I'm so happy this award exists as a way to keep Stephanie's name and influence in our community alive. And there's no better recipient than Esther, so once again, congratulations. And now a weekly webinar. My buddy Trenton Tai will be hosting a webinar on May 13th together with Justin Thurlow and ControlUp's co-founder, Yoni Avatel. They will be showcasing the soon-to-be-released version 8.5 of ControlUp, which contains transformative features for providing visibility of that last mile when managing a remote workforce and remote devices. I've had the honor of actually working on some of the blog content and video content for this launch. I've been using the new features for a while now and can confidently say this is one you won't want to miss. 
The event takes place on May 13th, like I said. It will be at 1 p.m. Eastern or 10 a.m. Pacific, and also at 10 a.m. BST, which is 11 a.m. Central European time. Everyone who attends will receive a limited edition control-up baseball cap, and there will also be a drawing at the end of the event, and one lucky attendee will win a Yeti Tundra 35 hardside cooler. Which sounds like something I need, but unfortunately I don't think I'll be eligible for the draw. And now this episode's scripts, tricks, and tips. This first tip is credited to Drop the Die on Twitter, so at Drop the Die if you want to find him on Twitter, who tweeted a tip to disable the Get Tips, Tricks, and Suggestions as you use Windows option within Windows 10. It should be under the settings, and he says that it reduces the amount of idle memory reserved. I have not verified this yet, I just haven't had the chance to, but it is one I am sure to try and hope it works because the memory consumption on Windows 10 is just through the roof when it's idle and it goes absolutely crazy when you're using things like Outlook, Chrome, Edge, Slack, and Teams all at the same time. So any little bit helps and I hope this does work. Ruben Sprout this week shared his blog on how to simplify centralized image management in Nutanix Frame with FSLogic's app masking. It's an interesting combination of great technologies. I tend to avoid putting apps into the image myself, but it is a great option when there are apps you just need to put in there. It can also be a really great approach for smaller organizations who don't want to deal with the complexity of application packaging or application layering and virtualization. My personal preference would be to put Microsoft apps, Microsoft runtimes like .NET Framework, Visual C++ redistributables and things that I routinely patch and are shared across many applications into the image. And then I'll use something like Numescent Cloud Paging to deploy the majority of my apps dynamically outside of the imaging process. But like I said, this could be a really good option for those small companies with maybe not that many apps, so there's little chance of conflicts and maybe they're less concerned about storage costs if they plan to migrate to a public cloud in future. Two Point Software shared a PowerShell script that simulates a DHCP Pixie test to retrieve values for the DHCP server IP address, Pixie server IP address, boot file name, and more. So if you find yourself starting up a Pixie session to gather that information and you go through that hassle just to get those details, you don't have to do that anymore. You can use this PowerShell script. Joy Malia Basu Roy posted a pretty nice detailed blog post that can help you get started with deploying desktop images using OSD Cloud. So I saw Johan and some in the Microsoft Endpoint Management community circles talking about this. It'd be really interesting to deploy desktop images through the cloud. So I'd love to check this one on the future if time permits. The excellent Shane O'Neill, who's a fellow Irishman and an awesome CTP, shared a blog post on using the new REST API for the Citrix virtual apps and desktop service. Shane did an excellent session at a previous Irish CUGC on creating micro apps. 
If you're into scripting and work in EUC, you should be following him on Twitter and subscribe to his blog at endusercomputing.ie. And to wrap up this week's episode, more shameless self-promotion, but I wrote a blog again this week. I told you I was going to be blogging more often this year. Well, this time I blogged about my views on IT consultants and the problem with relying on them too much. Also, some of the pitfalls of working with consultants and just things I have learned from my time working as a consultant myself and working as a customer who has used consultants for projects. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on the blog post and to see if it resonates both from an IT pro perspective who has worked with consultants that have come into your organization and also from consultants out there too. If you do enjoy the podcast each week, I'd appreciate it if you tell your colleagues and friends. I'd also love it if you could rate the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. If you're not following the YouTube channel, maybe follow on YouTube, like, subscribe, and all those cool things that people on YouTube usually say. YouTubers, I think is the term. Um, But even if you don't do any of those things, I appreciate you just listening and supporting the podcast. It's been an awesome journey so far. So thank you all so much for listening.